1: Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by The Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 platinum jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 platinum jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play
2: responsibly. Due to the graphic nature of this case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In March of 51 BCE, Cleopatra sailed down Egypt's Nile River to the city of Hermonthus, accompanied by a sacred bull. The newly-crowned queen was just 18, and she knew she had to make a great first impression on her people.
3: My citizens, I am overjoyed to be here. As your queen, as the avatar of the goddess Isis, and as an Egyptian, For too long, our rulers left religious matters to our clerics. For too long, they neglected holy ceremonies. Today, I will change that, for I can think of no better first act as queen. On this glorious day, I anoint a new bucus bull in honor of Montu, our god of war. May he be reborn. May he live eternal.
4: Long live Cleopatra.
3: And long live Egypt!
2: Cleopatra was born in an ancient age of wonder and terror, caught between the Greek culture of the ruling class and the local culture of her Egyptian citizens. She attempted to bridge that gap, but her fortunes were soon swayed by a third culture, the Roman Empire. Throughout these struggles,
5: she became the most powerful woman in the world. Yet historians immortalized her as an unhinged mystical temptress. Her poise, intelligence, and political acumen were never as widely recognized as they should have been.
2: Cleopatra ruled for over 20 years before she died by suicide after a military defeat and a romantic tragedy. But as we crack open the Egyptian tomb to find the woman behind the icon, we'll confront a disturbing question.
5: Was Cleopatra's death actually a murder?
2: This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Carter Roy.
5: And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Tuesday, we dive into the world of a real unsolved murder and try to solve the case.
2: You can find episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unsolved Murders for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unsolved Murders in the search bar.
5: This is our first episode on the life and death of Cleopatra. This week, we'll explore the truth behind the myth as we cover her rise to power and the romantic and political power moves that fueled her infamy.
2: Next week, we'll cover her downfall and explore the idea that her suicide was really a cold blooded murder. Cleopatra was born around 69 BCE in Alexandria, Egypt. She was the descendant of Ptolemy I, a Macedonian who ruled Egypt as part of Alexander the Great's empire.
5: Ptolemy I, called Ptolemy Soter, was a shrewd conqueror. He kept most of Egypt's social structures in place and took part in the local culture and religion. He expanded his influence and territory through alliances more often than battles. By 69 BCE, he'd built a prosperous Greek-Egyptian society, and its crowning jewel was the city of Alexandria.
2: The city had a world-famous library that was an intellectual's dream. Alexandria also boasted colorful fashion, talented musicians, and wine-drenched festivals in honor of Egyptian gods like Osiris. In addition to
5: native Egyptians and a Greek upper class, Alexandria had populations of Jewish and Nubian people. Reigning over all of them were the Ptolemies, who were worshipped as
2: gods. Cleopatra's father was King Ptolemy XII. Her mother's identity is something of a mystery, though most sources point to King Ptolemy's wife, Cleopatra V, who likely died before Cleopatra reached adolescence. Keeping track of her other relatives is no easy task. The Ptolemies often intermarried to consolidate power, so the family tree's branches are quite tangled.
5: We do know Cleopatra had several siblings named after previous rulers. An older sister named Berenice IV a younger one named Arsinoe IV and two little brothers, Ptolemy XIII and Ptolemy XIV.
2: Though Cleopatra was privileged, her childhood was also more dramatic than most people's entire lives. At age 11, she learned how quickly things could fall apart thanks to her father's misdeeds.
5: Ptolemy XII was an ineffective king who enjoyed living the good life in his lavish palace and playing his flute at festivals. That earned him the nickname Aletes, which means the flute player in Greek.
2: Despite his instrumental skills, he was widely disliked. He was considered illegitimate because his mother was his father's mistress. To keep Rome from taking his crown, he resorted to bribing Roman officials like Julius Caesar. Furthermore, he lost the entire territory of Cyprus to Rome in 58 BCE. Egyptians threatened to revolt after hearing word of that concession. Ptolemy fled Egypt to hide in Rome. In his absence, his 19-year-old daughter, Berenice, took control. She proved herself a ruthless ruler. When forced to take an undesirable prince as her husband and co-ruler, she had him strangled. He was replaced with a new spouse.
5: If young Cleopatra witnessed this brutal act, it may have been her first masterclass in how to rule, stand your ground, consolidate your power, and dispose of any man who stands in your way.
2: Three years later, in 55 BCE, the Romans provided Ptolemy XII with enough manpower to retake his throne. After a brief skirmish, Ptolemy stood victorious as the ruler of Egypt once more. To celebrate his success, he beheaded his daughter Berenice.
5: Cleopatra was then her father's favorite, and when she was 14, he named her as his co-regent. She'd be queen someday, and she would need to be well prepared. Put down that scroll and look over there. It's the tutor Philostratus and
4: Princess Cleopatra herself in our library. She can read? The king educates his sons and his daughters. She even speaks our tongue. Egyptian? Egyptian?
0: You lie!
4: Then prove me wrong. I dare you.
0: Oh, Princess Cleopatra, you're looking beautiful today.
3: A girl must look her best to compete with the Library of Alexandria.
2: Whoa. Like most upper-class Egyptian women, Cleopatra enjoyed many social freedoms and was well-educated in art, science, and philosophy. In addition to Greek, Latin, and Egyptian, she is rumored to have learned many other languages such as Hebrew and Arabic.
5: Cleopatra was one of the first Greek-Egyptian rulers to use the language of the people she ruled over. This was a rarity and became a special advantage.
2: Some have even speculated that Cleopatra's real mother was an Egyptian or Nubian woman and that this gave her an interest in learning other languages. The most likely case, however, is that Cleopatra came from a primarily Macedonian, which is to say Greek, background.
5: In Egyptian art, she's depicted as a beautiful tan-skinned goddess.
2: And on Greek coins, she's plain with a prominent nose and Mediterranean features. Everyone wanted to claim Cleopatra as their own, and it was in her best interest to bridge Egypt's cultures in preparation for her ascension. That day
5: came in 51 BCE, as 66-year-old King Ptolemy XII lay on his deathbed. <sighs> Cleopatra, fetch my flute.
6: So great Aulites can play one last tune. <laughs> not my best, not my worst.
3: Father... I don't know if I can rule. Not without your advice.
6: I wasn't a very popular king, Cleopatra. Look to your sister's reign. Berenice had a good head on her shoulders. Until I had to remove it.
3: I'd never be like that traitor. (sighs)
6: She was misguided. But strong. You'll be stronger. I have two bits of advice. First, remember to laugh, to drink, to dance, to dazzle your enemies with the decadent charms of Egypt. That's how you conquer without spilling a drop of blood.
3: I'll throw festivals in your honor, Aletis.
6: And second, keep Rome close, no matter the cost. Better a Roman hand in your purse than a Roman knife in your back.
5: I understand, Father. I'll make you proud. When Ptolemy died in 51 BCE, 18-year-old Cleopatra became ruler and inherited her father's power and his problems.
1: (laughs) Condolences and congratulations, my queen. I'll send word to Rome. You'll do no such thing. As irksome as it is, we have a financial responsibility to Rome.
3: I know, but I just inherited an empire, and for the next few months I'm bound to make a few mistakes. I'm too vulnerable now. Let's let Rome know of his death when things are running more smoothly.
2: Cleopatra allegedly kept her father's death a secret until she was secure in her role, Her transition was complicated by the fact that her 10-year-old brother, Ptolemy XIII, was named as her co-regent and husband.
5: He wasn't ready to rule, so Cleopatra had to make the big decisions. Her father had accrued a lot of Roman debt after they helped him secure his throne. Though the Ptolemies' personal fortune was vast, Cleopatra needed to repay her father's debts.
2: To counterbalance this, she made efforts to gain her Egyptian subjects' favor. One of her first royal acts was to anoint a new bucus bull, a sacred bull who is believed to be the avatar of the war god Montu. She made a great impression by devoting herself to religious ceremonies.
5: Ruling alone wasn't easy, and it got harder once a meddler emerged. The eunuch Pothinus was Ptolemy XIII's tutor, and soon claimed to represent him in politics. Pothinus, can you awaken Ptolemy?
3: The tax council is here for a meeting.
7: Oh, I wouldn't dare rouse the young king from his afternoon nap. Mm,
3: But it won't look good if I'm there without him.
7: Not to worry, little queen. I'll represent the king's interests for the moment until he grows into his role. I trust you find that
2: acceptable?
3: I suppose that makes sense.
2: Over the next few years, Ptolemy XIII's influence grew, or rather, Pothinus's did. It began with small things, like Ptolemy's name appearing on decrees above Cleopatra's, but eventually, sibling rivalry boiled over into full-on war.
5: In 48 BCE, 21-year-old Cleopatra was banished. She fled to Syria to plot revenge, but her return was thwarted when a Roman war washed up on Egyptian shores.
2: 1,200 miles northwest of Alexandria, Rome was plunged into a bloody civil war between two of its rulers, 57-year-old Gnaeus Pompey and 52-year-old Gaius Julius Caesar, After losing the Battle of Pharsalus, Pompey escaped to Egypt. Pompey had helped facilitate Ptolemy XII's bribes to Rome, so he had a natural ally in the teenage king, Ptolemy XIII.
5: Yet, while Pompey thought he was safe, Caesar and his forces followed him to Egypt, and Caesar took up residence in Ptolemy's palace in Alexandria, which put Egypt's young king and his advisors in a bind.
2: His family was indebted to Pompey, But Caesar was a greater threat, so Ptolemy made a fateful choice. In September of 48 BCE, Ptolemy's men ambushed his father's friend Pompey and cut off his head.
5: The goodwill gesture didn't have the effect Ptolemy hoped for. Caesar was shocked and horrified that they had killed Pompey, who had once been married to Caesar's daughter Julia. Ptolemy's murderous decision had robbed Caesar of the chance to settle things with Pompey and thrown Egypt further into chaos. It also gave Cleopatra the perfect opportunity to rise again.
2: She asked for Caesar's help in reclaiming her throne, but her letters were ignored. To reach the great Caesar, Cleopatra would have to take an even greater risk.
3: Carmion, we're going to be stuck in the desert forever! Caesar hasn't responded to my messengers, and unless I
4: beg on my hands and knees, I just... I don't think this alliance will happen. I'm just a simple servant, so maybe this is a terrible idea. But what if you did go yourself? I hear Caesar loves pretty women. I am more than just my looks. Yes, my queen, but it doesn't hurt to have them. Visit Caesar
3: myself.
5: Hmm. I'd have to find a way into the palace. Clever Cleopatra never backed down from a challenge, and finding a way to meet Julius Caesar was her greatest one yet.
2: When we return, we'll learn about Cleopatra and Caesar's iconic first meeting that led to a powerful union and ended in terrible tragedy. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an
1: amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now.
3: At Sephora, we know how you love to use makeup, skincare, hair care, and fragrances that work for you, but also how important it is to be in the know about the ingredients that are in them, which is why we created Clean at Sephora. Curated products from brands like Merit, Amica, Summer Fridays, and Fleur that have everything you want, minus certain ingredients you might not. Clean at Sephora is only at Sephora. Shop now at sephora.com.
5: And now... Back to the story.
2: In 48 BCE, 21-year-old Cleopatra was desperate to oust her brother Ptolemy XIII and retake control of the Egyptian throne. Julius Caesar had occupied her family's palace in Alexandria during his fight against his rival Pompey, and Cleopatra sent messengers to propose a partnership.
5: After her messages were ignored, Cleopatra knew she had to sneak past Ptolemy and Caesar's forces to enter Alexandria and see Caesar in person. So she hid inside a rolled up rug and had herself delivered to the palace.
2: Actually, that's one version of the story, and it may be a total fabrication. It's likely all she did was ask a sympathetic guard to let her into her old palace. But in the
5: movie, she came to Caesar in a rug.
2: Other versions say she came in a sack of bedding, but these stories stem from Roman historian Plutarch, whose over-the-top writing decades after Cleopatra's death helped create the perception that Cleopatra was dramatic and manipulative.
5: Well, in this case, I think he makes her look clever. Cleopatra did have a taste for pageantry, so she was likely decked out in her most seductive makeup and jewels, ready to make Caesar putty in her hands.
2: Maybe, but 52-year-old Caesar was a married playboy who'd bedded beauties across the world. Cleopatra was only 21, with little romantic experience and a preteen half-brother husband. If there was a seduction, it was probably initiated by Caesar. Of course, Cleopatra would have played along. Her life depended on it.
3: My lord, I am the rightful heir to the throne. Ptolemy is just a boy, and what's worse is, he's a puppet for that deceitful Pothinus.
6: You may be right, but Pothinus is an expert string-puller with mighty soldiers at his disposal.
3: Soldiers who killed Pompey? An act only you had the authority to allow.
6: Hmm, true. I was hoping to resolve things with words instead of swords.
3: The only weapons Ptolemy and Pothinus have are treachery and brute force. While we know there are more pleasant ways to solve our issues.
6: I am a fan of pleasure. Tell me more.
3: Well, I think it would be in both our interests to sign a treaty of cooperation and mutual respect.
6: (sighs) Not a very exciting answer.
3: Help me regain my throne, and I assure you, things will be most exciting after that.
6: Is that so?
5: Cleopatra and Caesar's meeting is often seen as her first major seduction, where she worked her wiles to bend Caesar's will. But even if there was a quid pro quo, the personal was political back then. Rulers married their siblings or killed their parents to gain power, so adding sex appeal to a negotiation wasn't so strange.
2: Through that lens, we see this encounter was actually Cleopatra's first political conquest. It was a last-ditch effort to save herself, and it worked. She moved back to the palace and continued her special relationship with Caesar. Of course, there was still the pesky matter of Cleopatra's traitorous brother, Ptolemy XIII, who launched a war against Caesar's forces in late 48 BCE.
5: In the siege of Alexandria... Caesar's 4,000 troops were no match for Ptolemy's 20,000, and more battles ensued. Caesar and Cleopatra were trapped in the palace for months, during which some truly messy family drama occurred.
2: Ptolemy XIII had the palace plumbing flooded with salty seawater in an attempt to drive everyone out via dehydration. In the midst of this conflict, their youngest sister, Arsinoe IV, turned against her family, and tried to take control of Egypt herself.
5: It was utter chaos, but there was one bright spot for Cleopatra. She was pregnant with Caesar's child. Though the war's outcome was uncertain, Cleopatra knew Caesar would protect her, especially if the baby was a boy, since he had no sons.
2: In early 47 BCE, Caesar's reinforcements arrived, and he won the war. He had Pothinus killed, and banished Cleopatra's sister Arsinoe. Ptolemy XIII allegedly drowned in the Nile River attempting to escape Caesar's army, but they couldn't find his body. He was only 15 at the time.
5: And now the only sibling Cleopatra had to worry about was her 12-year-old brother, Ptolemy XIV. Caesar suggested she marry him and make him her co-regent. This would neutralize him and satisfy the Egyptians, who longed for a united, ruling family. Cleopatra agreed to the marriage, but it was clear to all that her real partner was Julius Caesar.
2: In June of 47 BCE, 22-year-old Cleopatra gave birth to a son named Caesarian, or Little Caesar. She became tied to Caesar's glory, and only fools would dare to cross her.
5: But Caesar made plans to return to Rome to keep her power, Cleopatra had to follow her protector.
2: 23-year-old Cleopatra arrived in Rome in the summer of 46 BCE as a royal guest in one of Caesar's villas. Her arrival had the whole city gossiping.
4: Say, that's where Cleopatra is staying, right?
7: Rumor has it that if you stare long enough, you can see her looking out the window in her pearls. Nothing but... Her
4: pearls. (laughs) Our Caesar is a lucky man indeed.
5: Cleopatra was officially there to show Egypt's cooperation with Rome. But everyone knew her ties to Caesar were more than just political. Though Caesar never publicly recognized their child, he had a golden statue of Cleopatra built in his temple of Venus Genetrix in September of 46 B.C.E.
2: Caesar was a devotee of the Roman goddess Venus, and her analog in the Egyptian religion was the goddess Isis, who Cleopatra was often compared to. Both were fertility goddesses, and the statue's implication was clear. Cleopatra was a divine mother.
3: Caesar, why is everyone staring at my statue like it's going to talk?
6: We don't build golden statues of most visitors, but... I can't help it if you blur the line between woman and goddess. I may have gotten slightly carried away.
4: Hmm.
3: We should build one of our son, too.
6: Let's wait. People might say that's a step too far.
3: But you're their ruler. You decide what's too far.
6: Ah, but they decide who rules.
5: <sighs> Life would be so much simpler if you were a king. I suppose it would be. Cleopatra made politicians and Caesar's third wife, Calpurnia, uneasy. An affair was one thing. Caesar had many mistresses. But calling Cleopatra a divine ruler made it clear he was aiming for godlike status, too.
2: When Caesar left in the winter of 46 BCE to battle in Spain, a new reality set in for Cleopatra. Though she busied herself by attending events and running Egypt from afar... Life in Rome was much harder without Caesar at her side.
4: Oh, wonderful. Another rainy Roman day. Is something wrong, my queen? We need to get you ready for Cicero's gathering. Oh, why bother? I can't stroll the streets without peasants gossiping.
3: I can't attend parties without Caesar's lackeys staring daggers. And Latin is such an
4: odious tongue compared to Greek. Truly nothing compares to the world you've built for us in Alexandria. Now, any thoughts on your outfit? Hmm. Purple robe or white toga? The white. Roman women are a bit more understated. You mean
3: boring? No, I'll wear purple, with peacock feathers in my hair. People will talk either way, so let's give them something fabulous to gossip about.
5: Unlike in Egypt, Roman women were expected to be seen and not heard. With her colorful outfits and opinions, Cleopatra stuck out like a sore thumb. Rome didn't know what to do with Cleopatra. Was she a visiting royal deserving of respect or a garish, glorified courtesan, hogging Caesar's resources?
2: She became a symbol for Caesar's corruption, and her very presence provoked the ire of influential Romans— like politician and philosopher Cicero.
1: What a startling ornate headdress. How much did that set Caesar back?
3: I had it made in Egypt, from peacocks at my palace's zoo.
1: Ah, of course, you have a zoo.
3: Doesn't every palace?
1: No, Rome is a republic, not a luxury tourist trap.
3: Alexandria's more than that, Cicero. We've got the library, as any real intellectual would know.
1: Oh, I'm familiar. I'd love to visit, but it's so far. All the way back in Egypt, where I'm sure your subjects await your return. <clears> hmm.
3: <throat> Say no more. I can have any scroll you want sent from the library on my next boat over.
1: Well, I... That's quite kind of you. I'll send you a list. You know... You're much sweeter than people say. Anyway, must mingle.
5: Farewell. You're welcome? We only know Cicero's side of the story, but apparently Cleopatra never got him a manuscript he wanted from the Library of Alexandria. It was embarrassing for him to ask her for a favor, and more embarrassing when she didn't follow through. In retaliation, Cicero penned a vicious takedown of Cleopatra's Alexandrian attitude.
1: I detest the queen. Her way of walking, her clothes, her free way of talking, her embraces and kisses, her beach parties and dinner parties all show her to be a tart.
2: It wasn't wise of Cleopatra to forget her offer, but Cicero took her promise way too seriously. Cicero was clearly against Cleopatra from the start. Well, either way, her reputation was shot. But she stuck around until 44 BCE to accomplish a very specific goal.
3: The child is yours. Little Caesarian even walks like you.
6: I do not doubt that he's my son, Cleopatra.
3: It's only right that you name him as your heir. In your will, You could be slain or poisoned any moment.
6: Killing me off already, are we?
3: Yes. I'm a manipulative witch, just like Cicero says. A coiled asp waiting to shoot my venom into the Roman bloodline.
6: Calm yourself, woman. I'm sorry. Naming an Egyptian as my heir will ruffle some feathers, and there are already whispers of treachery in every corner of my Senate. I fear for my future.
3: And I fear for Caesarians. This shouldn't be
5: about politics.
6: This is Rome. Everything's about politics.
5: Cleopatra was determined to sway Caesar, but on March 15th of 44 BCE, a bloody tragedy rocked Rome. On the day known as the Ides of March, as many as 60 of Julius Caesar's senators banded together to stab him 23 times. This news was especially troubling for 25-year-old Cleopatra.
7: My queen! Caesar has been slain by his senate!
3: What? Who will secede him?
7: His heir is listed as Octavian.
5: This can't be! Caesar had no male heirs via his Roman wives and hadn't changed his will to include Caesarian. As such, Caesar's 18-year-old grandnephew, Octavian, inherited most of his wealth and was even posthumously adopted as his son. Nobody saw it coming, even if Octavian had spent a lot of time with his great-uncle.
2: For the Roman people, the studious Octavian wasn't the ideal choice for a ruler who could lead military campaigns, but he was still better than an Egyptian child. In fact, many senators felt Octavian was the only acceptable option.
5: Cleopatra was devastated. Her trip to Rome was intended to secure her and her son's future. Now her image was slandered, her lover was dead, and her son lost his claim to the throne. She could have given up, but instead, she got tough. Send my men to the docks and prepare my
3: ship. We return to Alexandria... If I can't secure my legacy in Rome, I'll do it at home, no matter the cost.
2: In spring of 44 BCE, an older, wiser Cleopatra headed home, determined to amass more power than she ever had with Caesar. And she would, at a bloody cost.
5: Next, we'll learn about Cleopatra's plan to ensure her son's future and the epic new love affair that would lead to her tragic death.
2: Now back to the story.
5: In 44 BCE, 25-year-old Queen Cleopatra suffered stunning losses in Rome. Her lover, Julius Caesar, was murdered by his senate, and their son wasn't recognized as his heir.
2: Instead, Caesar's nephew Octavian inherited his wealth and entered the Second Triumvirate, ruling with the older, experienced Marcus Aemilius Lepidus and Mark Antony. Meanwhile, Cleopatra was trying to pick up the pieces and set about redefining her empire in Egypt.
3: Have our best artist engrave Caesarion and myself on the Temple of Dendera. He should stand before me, offering incense to Isis, Osiris, and Horus. Oh, but see if they can subtly make me look like Isis, too.
1: So, you'll be praying to Isis and embodying her?
3: Yes, it's a cycle. It's rebirth.
1: It's divinity. It's...
3: The point is, my son and I are God-fearing and God-like. The artist will figure it out.
1: Should we consult with your brother first? He is your king.
3: Sadly, I think he's going to be much too unwell to approve my plans.
5: Oh no! Is he ill? He will be. One necessary step to securing her legacy was having her fifteen-year-old brother husband, Ptolemy Fourteenth, poisoned, so she could name three-year-old Caesarian her co-regent. If she couldn't make her son a leader in Rome, he'd be a god in Egypt.
2: Cleopatra's mid-twenties saw her lean into the image of an intelligent and competent ruler. The world's leading thinkers were at her disposal, and she was naturally curious. Yet
5: this new era was not without trouble. In 43 and 42 BCE, the Nile River failed to flood, which sent Egypt into famine and crisis. But Cleopatra gained respect by distributing wheat devaluing the currency and granting her people relief from tax collectors.
2: Just when Egypt was writing itself, Roman drama erupted again. After a war against rivals, allies Octavian and Mark Antony divided the empire between themselves. During the war, both sides asked Cleopatra for help, but she stayed a bit too neutral.
5: For example, she offered to send ships and then recalled them because of bad weather. It's likely she was stalling to see who won. A logical strategy for a queen who'd been burned by Roman politics. But by 41 BCE, Octavian returned to Rome, and Mark Antony controlled the east. Egypt fell under Antony's purview.
2: Antony settled in the Turkish city of Tarsus and invited Cleopatra there. It was an invitation for her to clear up questions about her loyalty, which she ignored.
4: My queen, the invitations for Mark Antony are piling up. Then arrange the piles tidily. Wouldn't want anyone to trip over them. Why provoke him? You've certainly known when to appeal to valuable allies. Your quick thinking sealed the deal with Caesar. Back then, I was a little girl at her wit's end. Now I'm a queen
3: and a mother. I will not go to Mark Antony out of desperation. I'll arrive at my leisure. As an inspiration. What do you mean? I hear the man loves a party, and I'm going to bring the most outrageous one he's ever seen right to his doorstep.
5: Mark Antony was in his early forties and in the prime of his life. Though not a natural politician, he was beloved for his battle skills and joie de vivre. The rugged, handsome man of the people could fight all day and drink until dawn.
2: Like Cleopatra, he also had a touch of godliness When he conquered Greek territories, his new subjects hailed him as the second coming of the god Dionysus. He loved attention, especially from young maidens.
5: Antony had a headstrong Roman wife named Fulvia, who may have been too busy managing his political affairs to care about his dalliances. Antony liked powerful women, and he met his match when 28-year-old Cleopatra sailed into town in the summer of 41 BCE.
2: Cleopatra entered the harbor in a ship with purple sails and silver oars. An orchestra played behind her as she sat on a golden throne. She was dressed in a costume that evoked Venus, and her servants were all in mythologically inspired costumes.
5: It was almost too much, but to Cleopatra, this was about more than showing off her beauty. It was actually a display of wealth and therefore power. She wasn't there to grovel before Antony. She was there to dominate.
7: Lord Antony, Cleopatra just arrived in the most extravagant ship I've ever seen. Is she as beautiful as they say? More so. She's dressed as Aphrodite. Or Isis. Or maybe Aphrodite as Isis.
0: (laughs) Understated. Well, let's get this over with. Pour me a drink, and we'll go greet this so-called goddess.
2: Antony invited Cleopatra to his home, but she refused and invited him to see her instead. He was annoyed and intrigued, which is just what Cleopatra wanted.
5: Though she feigned humility, Cleopatra hosted a series of banquets that stunned Antony's entourage with elaborate decor. She spared no expense with her gorgeous tapestries and jewel-studded tableware. One night, Antony even arrived to find himself knee-deep in roses, Cleopatra's favorite flower. Welcome, Lord Antony.
3: I pray my humble little party is to your liking.
0: I'm not sure how to get inside without trampling the roses.
3: Trample away. You Romans do love to conquer, no?
0: We do. I suppose this frivolity was so expensive you could not spare a penny to assist your friends in Rome.
3: Maybe you wouldn't need my aid if you hadn't blown your budget on wine across the Empire. Did that really help the war effort? Uh,
0: yes, I, I was supporting the local economy.
3: Hmm. Well, plow through my roses and I'll fix you a real drink.
0: Make it a stiff one,
2: and let's pray it lightens the mood. As parting gifts, Cleopatra gave away her jewels, her furniture, and even her servants to Antony's men. And over those wine-soaked nights, Antony and Cleopatra's dynamic thawed from tense diplomacy to genuine admiration.
3: I conquered the most adorable little vineyard last month. Try this wine.
0: I don't mean to be rude, but you could out-party any of my men.
3: High praise from Dionysus himself. This is just a flimsy little traveling circus. Hardly the splendor we have in Alexandria.
0: I know. I was there as a Caesar with soldier. Uh, I mean, as a soldier with Caesar. I found you quite lovely back then.
4: Oh?
3: Has my luster faded now?
0: It's been polished into a beauty that rivals Aphrodite herself.
3: A fighter and a poet. (laughs) In Egypt, I'd throw you a real party.
0: Don't make promises you can't keep. Another bottle? Make it two. Oh, you're a bad influence.
3: No, you are. I guess we're about to find out if two wrongs make a
5: right. Ancient Romans said Cleopatra bewitched Antony that decadent summer but we know it's when they fell in love, or at least lust. With Caesar, there was a 30-year age difference and a huge power imbalance. Cleopatra and Antony were closer in age, equal in power, and drawn to each other as only two joyful narcissists with godlike ambitions
2: could be. They started doing each other favors immediately. For instance, Cleopatra had lingering worries about her traitorous sister Arsinoe, who attempted to take control of the throne. Years earlier, Caesar banished her, but she was liable to return someday. To calm Cleopatra's worries, Antony had Arsinoe found and executed.
5: In return, Cleopatra pledged money and resources to assist Rome in times of need. She also invited Antony to spend the winter in Egypt.
2: He was allegedly there to strengthen diplomatic ties, but Alexandria was a city of wild delights, and the winter of late 41 and early 40 BCE was one long party. Cleopatra and Antony drank, danced, and made love for months. She was a much better host to Antony in Egypt than Caesar ever was to her in Rome.
5: Antony was basically an ancient frat boy with an outlandish sense of fun. He liked to dress as a peasant and get into fights with locals in rough neighborhoods. A disguised Cleopatra trailed behind him, loving every minute of it.
2: Not the most mature behavior, but from birth, Cleopatra had been surrounded by war, betrayal, and death. In some ways, this was the youthful fun she never had. On the flip side, this was definitely a wild midlife crisis for 43-year-old Antony. Oops. Oops. Build a bit
0: that
3: wine's worth more than my entire council's salary so you better lick it up off the table no I was kidding oh Anthony, you're an absolute beast look all our friends are passed out sad
0: nobody can drink like us we are godlike
3: <laughs> no we're gods should have a club, a secret club with a name.
0: Companions to the death.
3: Oh, I've been surrounded by death all my life. Life, living, liver. All right. How? How about the Society of In- Inimit? Heavens, why it is words so hard to speak?
0: Any day now, my love.
3: The Society of Inimitable
5: Livers!
0: It's perfect. Cheers.
5: Cleopatra was at her most carefree during her time in the Society of Inimitable Livers. Partying with Antony was exhausting, but the power she gained was worth the hangover.
2: But every party has to die someday. In the spring of 40 BCE, Antony left Egypt to deal with military matters and a brewing Roman conflict that his wife Fulvia had been handling in his absence.
4: Here, have some stuffed pigeon. My queen, has Lord Antony's departure killed your appetite? I know it's hard seeing him go. You aren't your usual ebullient self. It's not Antony who worries me. It's
3: Octavian. Some say he's amassed more power than Antony. He's barely more than a boy. A boy Caesar chose over our Caesarian. He's got his own wicked ways. Do you know there's a rumor he
4: seduced his way into Caesar's will? That's what those horrid Roman gossips said about you and Caesar, too. Well, let's be honest. They weren't completely wrong. Ah, uh, well, in the meantime, have some Pigeon. Oh, oh I... Oh, take it away.
3: That smell is making me ill. A thousand pardons. No, wait. I felt ill like this before Caesarion was born. You mean? With any luck,
5: we may have another shot at the Roman Empire. Her wild winter with Antony left 29-year-old Cleopatra pregnant. Events in Rome weren't her concern, but now she had to stay healthy and bring Antony's heir safely into the world. But across the Mediterranean, forces conspired to shatter Cleopatra's fragile happiness.
2: Octavian kept a close eye on co-ruler Mark Antony and grew increasingly concerned about Cleopatra's influence— Octavian was said to be fiercely in control of his emotions, but if anyone rankled him, it was Cleopatra.
6: What's the news? Do we have to send an army to rip Antony from Cleopatra's clutches?
1: He left Egypt a month ago, and will be back any day now.
6: Any day isn't soon enough. Ah, <sighs> Antony should be here advising me, not gallivanting with the she-devil of the East.
1: My lord... I'm afraid my ears in Egypt say Cleopatra bears Antony's
6: child. How convenient. Caesar and Antony have sown their seed across the empire, and yet Cleopatra's the only mistress who bears heirs? I wouldn't put it past her to have a backup stud.
1: My lord, the Parthians mean to invade, and I hear whispers that Antony's wife Fulvia plots against you. We have more urgent matters at hand.
6: I suppose you're right, for now but I have a feeling that soon I'm going to have to end Cleopatra's reign forever.
5: Cleopatra and Antony's romance rocked the Roman Empire. Their time together was marked by decadence, folly, and fertility, but soon they'd have to pay the price.
2: And Octavian was only too eager to collect. Their summer nights in Tarsus and even hotter winter in Alexandria, set off a chain of events that would climax in the Battle of Actium. When the dust settled, Cleopatra's reign would end, and the course of history would be changed forever.
5: Thanks again for tuning in to Unsolved Murders. We'll be back on Tuesday with part two of The Death of Cleopatra. We'll follow the ranges of the Battles of Actium, the fatal rift it caused between Cleopatra and Antony, and the mysteries surrounding their deaths.
2: For more information on the life and death of Cleopatra, amongst the many sources we used, we found the books The Murder of Cleopatra by Pat Brown and Cleopatra, A Life by Stacey Schiff, extremely helpful to our research.
5: You can find all episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify.
2: Well, not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Unsolved Murders, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker.
5: To stream Unsolved Murders on Spotify, just open the app and type Unsolved Murders in the search bar.
2: We'll see you next time.
5: If we live till next time.
2: Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler and is a Powercast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Unsolved Murders was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Bill Butts, Joe Hernandez, Harris Markson, Rebecca Thomas, and Kimlin Tran. It stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy.